welcome back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 36. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. In this session, we'll begin to look at the gospel according to Luke. Now we're going to spend a little more time on Luke than on Mark, uh, but not nearly as much time as we did on Matthew. And the reason is, of course, uh, we, we talked about the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, being the three authors who saw uh, the same things. So they saw together, hence the term synoptic. So when we covered Matthew in some depth, we already talked about how Luke or Mark would describe a given event when we went over the passages in Matthew that uh, had a, a similar idea there. So we're not going to go through everything in Luke. Um, better that you go through Matthew, and when we come to a, a, a point of, of uh, difference, it's discussed in those sessions that we've already had. So we'll be looking at uh, verses or we will be looking at stories and sayings that are unique to the Gospel of Luke uh, and pointing out the difference in emphasis between Luke and Matthew, which we already covered. So, a um, little bit about Luke. Who was Luke? Well, first of all, Luke was born a Gentile. He was not a Jew. And his gospel is directed towards really everyone, but it's to emphasize that the message of salvation is for everyone. Now, to be sure, Matthew uh, mentions this as well, but you'll recall Matthew's goal was to show the Jewish people that Jesus was, in fact, the fulfillment of the Jewish prophecies of the Jewish Messiah to come. And Jesus was, of course, certainly that. But Luke, as we shall see, has a different goal. He wants to show that Jesus is for everyone who will accept his message. So the door is open to Gentiles. Uh, Mark also uh, was appealing to Gentiles as well as Jews, but Mark was a born Jew. Luke uh, is a Gentile. And sometimes he feels the need to explain things to his Gentile audience that Jews would already know about the Jewish culture. Okay, so um, things to look for. Oh, what else? What else about Luke? Luke was thought to be a physician, and Luke traveled with the Apostle Paul on his missionary journeys, at least one of them, if not two. And so um, Paul was of would, of course, as he would go on his missionary journeys, he would first bring his message to the synagogues, as we will see when we study his letters and when we study the book of Acts. Um, but he also sought converts outside the synagogue and actually had more success there with the Gentiles. Gentiles, of course, being anyone who was not a Jew. So, uh, we've got Luke as the doctor. Not Luke is not an eyewitness to you know Mary's uh, um, giving birth to Jesus, etc. Um, but probably a, a second generation Christian, if you will, 
and he uh, took uh, meticulous records, thought to be a, you know, kind of a, uh, took a historical uh, view of things. And we'll talk more about that in the next session. Uh, when was this written? Probably in the, most scholars, many scholars think that it was probably written between 60 and 70 AD. Why do we think that? Um, because there's no reference to the temple being destroyed, which is a historical fact that that happened in 70 AD. Also, um, this gospel according to Luke is part of a two-part set. So Luke also penned the book of Acts, which comes after the gospels, the Acts of the Apostles there. And in that book also, uh, many think that it, it was really intended to be basically one one writing, if you will. Um, in in that book, there's also no it uh, it ends with Paul being in prison, not being executed, and Paul was executed in the mid '60s. But it doesn't make any reference to that. The second book, so that's why we think it was probably uh, written in the '60s uh, A.D. Uh, it is thought that. Uh, uh, Luke borrowed, well, I mean, Luke clearly used Mark as a uh, source document there because about 50% of what is written in Mark also finds its way into Luke. You'll recall last week we said about 90% of what was in Mark ended up in Matthew's gospel. That's another, you know, explanation as to why we're not going to be spending as much time on Luke's gospel. But so remember this, that uh, Luke's gospel has an emphasis to Gentiles and that salvation is open to all. Not to say that uh, Matthew doesn't suggest that, but uh, Luke uh, brings that point uh, even more to the forefront. What else can we look for in uh, Luke's gospel? other than that salvation is offered to all because he's speaking you know primarily to a gentile audience there other things to look for women's roles in the gospels women play a prominent role in the gospel which is very progressive particularly for that time which was a patriarchal uh, or male dominated society You'll see this in his treatment of Mary right from the get-go when we open the text. We won't open the text today. This is just general points about it. Uh, the prominent roles of Mary, Mary Magdalene, the women who follow Jesus and support his ministry, the people who get Jesus all seem to be women. Another thing to look for is uh, Luke's uh, view of the poor being just as good as everybody else. So uh, we'll we'll see this, uh, you know, again, even in the birth story of Jesus. So be looking for that, that, hey, you got to take care of the poor and the poor are just as good, if not better than anybody else. Okay. This gospel and also the book of Acts really emphasizes the role of the Holy Spirit. Uh, again, not taking anything away from Matthew's gospel, but uh, which also, of course, shows the Holy Spirit. But Luke's gospel really emphasizes that. It emphasizes prayer, the joy of following Jesus, joy. 
that this is not just supposed to be some empty religious exercise of having a relationship with Jesus, but uh, more so the joy that people have when they uh, recognize that they are part of, of the kingdom. Uh, we see forgiveness being emphasized in the Gospel of Luke as, as well. So um, with that in mind, um, why don't we see look at our first example of Luke's in Luke's gospel of uh, one of his points. Uh, well, before we get to that, we see that it is dedicated to Theophilus. So Theophilus would be an, an is that an actual person? We see in verse one, you know, in uh, uh, verse one through four. This is kind of dedicated to Theophilus. He's writing this stuff down so that uh, Theophilus, so that you will know the truth concerning the things that you have been informed. Theophilus could have been an actual person named Theophilus. But Theophilus also means, you know, a lover of God or a friend of God or an interest of God. So some people think that uh, Theophilus was perhaps even a Roman who wanted to know about this Jesus. Um, or, you know, perhaps Theophilus represents all people who have an interest in things of God. Okay, so we also see in um, chapter 1, so if you're not driving, uh, turn your Bible to Luke chapter 1. Um, and this is the gospel where we see the birth of John the Baptist being foretold. And we see Elizabeth as our first example of, of a woman who has a prominent role here. Elizabeth is, of course, the mother of John the Baptist. And we think that uh, John the Baptist is about six months older than Jesus. And it talks about uh, uh, the birth of John the Baptist, which is kind of miraculous in and of itself because... Uh, Elizabeth had been waiting a long time to have kids, and uh, she said, "Hey, if uh, Jesus or uh, God, if you will bless me with a child, I will, you know, raise him the right way. He shall drink no wine or strong drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit." There we see it again—the Holy Spirit uh, emphasized in the Gospel of Luke, and we're just getting started there. Okay. I'm not going to talk too much about that, but uh, know that John the Baptist's, uh, uh, you know, the the uh, the conception of John the Baptist, etc., is talked about in Luke. Certainly not in Mark uh, or Matthew or John. Okay, then we see in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was, you guessed it, Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, full of grace. Now that's kind of a title, okay? Full of grace. Now, you may have a translation of the NAB or whatever, which says, Hail, favored one. Well, big deal. 
I, I really recommend that for purposes of a, of a good Catholic Bible study, you use the, uh, um, not the NAB, although I will quote from it frequently, only because that's the uh, probably the Bible that is most popular that most Catholics would possess. But a better version for study purposes is the uh, Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition. And I say that because it is much more literal. And by being more literal, it actually an announces the Catholic position on things much more clearly. So we have this hail full of grace as opposed to the weaker version, hail favored one. Well, full of grace, the term that is used there, it's a Greek term, and the term is kakeratomini. I'm not sure if I said that right, but in essence, that means like full from the beginning, full at the end, always full, okay, which um, supports our understanding of Mary as having been, uh, you know, born without without sin. She is full of grace. So how do I explain that in, in human terms? Well, let's say you had a glass of water and you're trying to pour water into it. Well, you can only get so much more water in there and then the glass starts to overflow, right? Well, imagine if that glass was full from the beginning, you know, before it was even made a glass. And that is how uh, full of grace Mary is. The word kakiratomini is only used here in scripture. It could be argued that uh, it said that Stephen uh, in the book of Acts, a martyr for the faith, it says that he was full of grace too. But the word that was used there is not kakeratomini, the, the Greek word, which means, you know, kind of full from the beginning, full always. Uh, he was full of grace, but, you know, not from the moment of, of his birth. So I think that's very important. Um, and you will see that in the Revised Standard Version, but you won't see it in the NAB, even though that's what most people have. So the title, and, and of course, when we say the Hail Mary, we don't say, Hail, highly favored one. We say, Hail Mary, you guessed it, full of grace. So go with the Revised Standard Version for a serious study of, of the Bible. So he goes on and says, Hail, the, the angel says to Mary, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Okay, so who says Catholics don't uh, use the Bible? I mean, say, every time you say the Hail Mary, you are quoting uh, scripture, and a lot of that scripture in the Hail Mary comes right from, from this, uh, this chapter here. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, considering in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. Gee, I wonder why. I mean, it's kind of a strange occurrence to be approached by an angel. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Okay. Well, elsewhere, I think in, in Matthew, it said, uh, You shall call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel, of course, means uh, with God, okay, and, and, and Jesus uh, is, is the same thing. So she, she didn't use the wrong name, you know, she didn't disobey, it means the same thing. And uh, 
Um, he and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, not, not, uh, Jesus biological father, but one of his ancestors, if you go way back and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. There's that Holy Spirit again. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now, I want you to, if you're not driving, circle the word overshadow, because we're going to come back to that uh, a little teaser. We're going to see how Mary is uh, foreshadowed, if you will, in the Old Testament by the Ark of the Covenant. But I want to get all these things out, and then we'll go back and look at it. So remember, the, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, uh, underline the or circle the word overshadow. Okay, so in an effort to finish this class on time, uh, I'm overshadowed by uh, constraints of the clock. So we'll come back to this uh, a little bit. But you can already see how the... the um, Luke's gospel differs from Mary, uh, from excuse me, from Matthew's in the uh, in the birth account. You'll recall in Matthew's account who was who is the hero of Jesus' birth. Well, it's Joseph who takes care of the family and uh, you know moves it to Egypt and has all these dreams and all that sort of thing. But in Luke's account, it was it's Mary that's the hero. Now, it's, it's merely a matter of a point of view, isn't it? I mean, truth be told, they're both heroes. You know, they both did heroic things to bring Jesus into the world. Again, Luke has a slightly different emphasis. It is not a contradiction. Okay, so we're going to come back next time and we're going to pick up uh, after uh, on, you know, Luke chapter 1, verse 36 and on. But uh, let's let's pray. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dear Lord, we thank you for this uh, account of Luke that we're about to study. Um, we're, he's looking at the same man, the same Son of God, the same divine person, but he's giving us some other insights which are equally valid as the other Gospels so that we can know Christ better. And we pray that you will give us the graces and the desire to know Christ better and to, uh, to recognize uh, in this particular lesson the contribution of Mary and why uh, she is worth our, uh, our praise and our, our veneration, but not our worship, I hasten to add. So um, we, uh, we ask you to bless us in our time together. We ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So next time we're going to pick up on uh, chapter 1, verse 36. As always, I welcome you to email your questions and comments to me at jhcatholicbible at gmail.com. Until next time, I look forward to your joining us again on Catholic Doctrine Bible Study.